This is the Daily Detail, powered by 1819 News. Honest News. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. The voice of Alabama values. Alabama. Unbelievable people. And now, here is Andrea Tice. Meteorologists are now predicting that Hurricane Ian will now enter the Gulf Coast waters, and where it lands at this point is still yet to be determined. The storm currently has 75-mile-per-hour winds as it runs through the Caribbean waters. The western tip of Cuba will likely be affected by this storm in the next day or so. By Tuesday, the hurricane will enter the Gulf and could possibly veer towards the Florida coastline or the Florida panhandle, and it could even involve Alabama. It all depends. The landing point is still not determined. But at this rate, the storm is predicted to make landfall sometime by Thursday or Friday. Well, the state of Alabama plans to seek the death penalty in the case of a church shooting suspect who killed three people this past June. 70-year-old Robert Finley Smith was subdued by church members after he arrived at a church potluck dinner at St. Stephen's Episcopal Church in Vestavia Hills. That's when Finley opened fire and killed Walter Rain, Jane Pounds, and Sarah Yeager. Smith was in court this past Monday in Jefferson County where he entered a plea of not guilty. Jefferson County District Attorney Danny Carr made the state's wishes known regarding Smith and the death penalty. Defense Attorney Emery Anthony told WBRC News that this latest decision by the state will change his course of action when it comes to preparing for the trial. A Sylacauga man is back in custody here in Alabama after first fleeing to Alaska. 34-year-old James Steen is facing multiple sex charges involving a minor. When Sylacauga police were made aware of Steen's inappropriate sexual relationship this past June, Steen was able to catch wind of the incoming arrest and fly out to Alaska. Steen was then arrested in Alaska once he landed in the airport. So all of this time that he's been in Alaska has been due to a legal fight against extradition back to Alabama. Steen is being held in the Sylacauga jail. A bus driver in Franklin County is out of a job after being arrested for a DUI while driving the bus with students on board. The Franklin County School Superintendent recommended that Rhonda Barksdale be fired from her job at a recent school board meeting that was held this past Monday. Barksdale is also facing reckless endangerment charges that are connected to how many children were on that bus at the time of her DUI. One driver in the Tharptown community reported to authorities that there was a near-miss head-on collision with that bus. Fortunately, no students were injured during that ride. Barksdale was originally placed on administrative leave before the school board voted for her job termination. An Army veteran living in Enterprise is honored for saving the lives of two women. Marvin Pickney went into a burning home to save the women on September 3rd. The flames were coming from the garage of a neighbor's house, and Pickney called 911, then entered the house to get Mary Griffin, who was in a wheelchair, and her caregiver. Both women didn't even realize the house was on fire. Enterprise Mayor William Cooper gave Pinckney a plaque and a key to the city for his heroic actions. Mayor Cooper says that Pinckney changed the outcome of what was sure to be a tragic ending. For more in-depth stories affecting the state of Alabama, go to 1819news.com. In national news, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is the first to declare a state of emergency in all 67 counties in that state ahead of Hurricane Ian. DeSantis warned all Floridians to prepare for impact that will be broad and throughout the state. Don't get too wedded to those cones where they have the dot going in landfall. I think right now they're projecting on the National Hurricane Center to go enter Florida about Taylor County. And it's important to know what that means. That really is 
uh, an estimate of a variety of different models. There are some models that want to tug this thing more deep into the Florida panhandle. There are also some that want to bring it for landfall in the Tampa Bay region. Whistleblowers continue to talk about the political management from within the FBI. Florida-based FBI agent Stephen Friend filed a whistleblower complaint saying he is listed as the case agent on some of the investigations of January 6th persons of interest, but he personally has yet to do any investigative work on those cases. Friend says that other task force members are serving search and arrest warrants for these subjects, while his name gives credibility to the case, but he's not involved at all. Friend also says the FBI and DOJ are violating the constitutional rights of these January 6th defendants by falsifying statistics on domestic extremism and using SWAT teams for misdemeanor arrests. He has since been suspended from his job for making this complaint. Also on the Dan Bongino podcast, FBI agent Kyle Serafin spoke out from where he has been working in Washington, D.C. But what happened after January 6th? How did the FBI respond? Well, the FBI responded by pulling in all the operational units and bringing them into the field office. I was at the Washington field office at the time. And, you know, we had all of our surveillance missions canceled. I was was on a team that did that. We had people that were in other operational groups, whether it was white collar or whether they were doing child pornography. Everybody got pulled in and there were tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of what they call leads that came in through West Virginia, which is the 800 uh, tip line. And some of them came in on the Internet as well. And they were so egregious to me. I I mean, I probably got rid of a couple hundred on my own, uh, I hope. Uh, But a lot of people just kind of, you know, pencil whipped it and people tried to look the other way. They were they were blatantly targeting what I would call First Amendment protected rights. It's like somebody attended a a rally at the the sitting U.S. president was speaking at. And that's not our purview. And if there's not any further information or allegation of a criminal act, and there wasn't for most of these things, there's no reason for an FBI agent to come and knock on your door. But uh, so many people are trying to go along to get along and keep that paycheck and work towards the pension eventually that uh, a lot of people went out and knocked on doors and a lot of people self-incriminated and ended up in very bad situations uh, under federal prosecution for something as simple as misdemeanors. The Antifa and BLM riots, were they vigorously investigated every lead for everyone who burned an American city down? Or was it just turn in your MAGA neighbor week after January 6th? Yeah, I think you're right. So obviously I I saw a lot of things. I was in Portland during the 100 days of riots. I was doing a low visibility surveillance. I was at uh, St. John's Church the day after it was burned. And there was no aggressive push in the same way. There was a do something attitude, but that something wasn't criminal prosecution. And it certainly wasn't throwing hundreds of people into the largest investigation the FBI has ever done. And speaking of the FBI, that agency is now defending its recent decision to raid the home of a pro-life activist in Pennsylvania while his seven young children were all at home. The FBI is defending itself on a technicality, saying it did not send in 30 SWAT team agents as Mark Hoke and his wife, Ryan Marie, had reported to LifeSite News. However, the FBI is also not denying that it sent in 30 regular FBI agents with guns drawn and pointed at Hoke and his family members. Hoke is a pro-life activist who offers sidewalk prayer and counseling in front of a Philadelphia abortion clinic. The FBI arrest seems to be stemming from an incident that happened in front of that abortion clinic where Hoke pushed a man away from his 12-year-old son for yelling profanities at the boy and not stopping. Two investigative journalists have filed a legal complaint in Georgia regarding the certification of the voting machines that were used there. Kevin Moncla and David Cross filed the complaint with the Georgia State Board of Elections claiming that they have evidence that the voting machines have not been certified 
for voter safety and integrity since 2017. The complaint involves a group known as Pro-VNV, which is hired to do the inspection and testing of voting machines. It did so in 2019 in the state of Georgia, but the journalists found out that Pro-VNV's accreditation to do that testing had expired in 2017 and was never renewed. Moncla and Cross are also involving the Election Assistance Commission, which oversees the whole certification process of these machines. The complaint is seeking the suspension of all Dominion voting systems until independent experts can conduct a review of the equipment and systems. Well, here on The Daily Detail, we have covered emerging stories that are connected to Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and his particular laptop that has incriminating communications and pictures that have confirmed Hunter Biden's involvement in drugs, prostitutes, and foreign business deals, including China. But up until now, we've never brought up another story that's been out there circulating when it comes to Joe Biden's daughter, the story of Ashley Biden's diary. That diary was left behind at a Florida drug rehab center a few years ago when Ashley was taking part in the program. Amy Harris was the one assigned the room after Ashley Biden left, and she's the one that found the diary and then proceeded to hand it off to the National Pulse. Since that whole time, the FBI has all but confirmed that the diary is real by conducting raids on various media outlets that have alluded to having the contents of that diary, as well as initiating a probe into Harris herself for retaining the diary. The Florida Rehab Center has confirmed that the rules on left-behind property is that it's all fair game and they're not responsible for anything left behind. So why is this story all being brought up? Because in the written pages, Ashley Biden is recounting her early sexualization, which then led to sex addiction and drug addiction. And in that diary, she mentioned showers with her dad as a young girl which she now, as an adult, labeled as inappropriate. Now, this story may never have been used on the Daily Detail if it weren't for this recent comment that was made so casually and without thought or restraint by Joe Biden at a speech in Washington, D.C., when he spotted a woman he knew on the front row. Here's what he said. But guess what? We got a lot to do. Gotta say hi to me. (laughs) We go back a long way. She was 12, I was 30, but anyway, this woman helped me get an awful lot done. At any rate. Personally, I'm not sure which is more disturbing, Biden making the comment or the crowd laughing without thought to what he just said. You're listening to The Daily Detail from 1819 News. Be sure and check out Phil Williams at Right Side Radio as he says, show me the money. There is a massive reduction in the number of people participating in the labor force who should very well be there and yet they're not. So you look at it and go, what the heck? Where did they go? Well, Representative Byron, Byron Donalds, um, he's a Republican out of Florida. Great guy. I've got a piece here from Red State, but I've also got an audio clip from him that is so worth listening to. I mean, he demolished, literally demolished Democrat policies uh, just the other day. Hey, Boomerang, I don't want to play this clip here, bud. Um, so Representative Byron Donalds, in a House hearing earlier this week, uh, it was last Thursday, I believe. May have been yesterday. What's the storyline dated? Yes, this was, this was dated this is yesterday. He pressed the witnesses on what they think caused inflation in the labor crisis. And in doing so, like I said, he demolished Democrat policy. So, Boomer, you got that audio clip for me, man? I need to get that going, like, right now. Um, if you would, Representative Byron Donalds, hear what he had to say in Congress. 
Because if you're given money without having to exchange it with labor, having to take your talents and abilities and you're getting money as a result, it depends on the, in the industriousness of the individual at that point. I'm not blaming anybody. If you're giving out free money, shoot, okay, cool. Most people are just going to go ahead and take it. We know this, but if you have a legitimate economic choice to make at your kitchen table, I can go work 40 hours or I can go work 20 hours and our living does not change, People have an, their own decision to make about what they're going to do. The point I'm making is that labor shortage, which was created by the quote-unquote American Rescue Plan, led to a labor shortage. And that labor shortage has led to price increases because you had people who had the revenue and the disposable cash flow to buy goods, but not enough goods in circulation to purchase. Mr. Goodspeed, is that an accurate assessment of what's happened in America since Joe Biden became president of the United States? Yes, I think that's a fair description. There's not enough goods produced. If there's not enough goods produced, but everybody still has money to go buy goods, the price of each unit actually goes up. That's how inflation is always created. More policies of the same is only going to lead us further down the road to perdition, which we are already on. With that, I yield back. Wow. Wow. That was like Economy 101, and he just took Democrat policies and just trashed them. You can find more of that podcast at rightsideradio.org. I'm Andrea Tice. I'll be back again tomorrow. I look forward to updating you then. Alabama. Alabama. Our great state. Alabama. Of Alabama. This has been The Daily Detail. For more up-to-date news, go to 1819news.com, where you'll find honest news and Alabama values. 